Psalm 100. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Our Father, we have just read from your word truth about you. You are good. Your mercy cannot even be measured. And you are the God of truth. You never deceive us. You never draw us with false promises. You are the God of truth, of integrity. We are so grateful that you sought us out and swept us into your flock, made us yours. And we ask that today, at this time and in this place, we will truly be discipled by you, that we will be sitting, in fact, at your feet, hearing you, and that we will accept whatever correction we need, and we will also welcome your energizing power and blessing into our lives. We thank you, God, of unrelenting mercy. In your name we pray, merciful God. Amen. Chapter 10, verses 1 through 25. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, Sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. 
by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love <coughs> and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, <coughs> as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. S bringing ourselves back into the context of the letter, but also the situation that the author is dealing with. What's he dealing with? He is dealing with, a set, with, with several congregations in North Africa that were the fruit of his ministry. They are principally Jewish people who left the Judaism that was of the sort being practiced in that first century and abandoned that in favor of the great promise found in the Hebrew Scriptures that there would be a Lamb of God. There would be a sacrifice who would come, promised in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31. I will make a new covenant with you. Not like the covenant. He quotes this passage here in what I've just read. I will make a new covenant with you. Not like the covenant which we made on Mount Sinai. Which covenant you broke in every conceivable way. No, I will make a new covenant with you. We're going to close our time together with the Lord's Supper. What does Jesus say in the upper room instituting this practice? This cup is the new covenant. 
in my blood. I'm about to carry out on the cross. Now, he doesn't tell the disciples this, but we can look back with 2020 eyesight. I'm about to accomplish on the cross that sacrifice that will fully satisfy the righteous, just demands of my Holy Father, giving him perfect freedom to forgive you. I'm about to carry that out. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. And as soon as he said that, they were educated. Oh, Jeremiah. What does it say in Jeremiah 31? I will, I will, I will. Third, I will. Your sins and iniquities remember no more. I'm going to do that. I'm about to carry out the act that gives my father the freedom to pull you away from the old Mosaic Sinai covenant, which you totally fouled up, which God knew they would, and grant to you the, the mercy, the grace of the new covenant. And so... Barnabas, the author of Hebrews, by the way, if you have a question about that, ask me afterwards. <laughs> Barnabas, the author of Hebrews, is telling these people whom he had won to Christ formerly, along with his nephew Mark, they had gone there and spread the gospel there, had a great harvest along the North African coast. But now why are they in turmoil? because they have suffered severe persecution. They have suffered severe persecution. And so they are, they are in the process, many of these congregations, of compromising their profession of faith in Christ alone as their Redeemer. They're not necessarily fully abandoning him, but they're adding to him things that Judaizing people are saying, oh, you need to add to that. Oh, we're going to keep the Sabbath. We're going to keep this part of the law. We're going to keep these tradi traditions from the elders in addition to what Jesus did on the cross. Anything you do in addition to add to what Jesus did on the cross is wrong. Christ did it all. Don't ever, ever dilute that reality, that message by what you embrace. No, it's Christ alone. Will you pay a price in this hostile environment? Yes, you will. But God will actually use that to advance the gospel and deepen your walk with him. It just has to irritate Satan so much. <laughs> that has to irritate that everything he does to weaken God's people, in fact, ends up strengthening them. Because as they respond to the tests in faith, they become stronger. They become stronger. But what other tactic does he have? Here, these people are being persecuted. They have started to compromise, but they are hearing this rebuke. They are hearing this rebuke. God is coming to them through this letter and giving, offering to them the mercy that they've first experience when they stepped into the kingdom in the first place. What do we find here? We find Barnabas 
consistently comparing through this letter what, in fact, was the benefit of the law that came from Sinai. Nothing wrong with the law from Sinai. The problem wasn't with the law. The problem was with the hearers. (laughs) Every time we hear the Ten Commandments, what's our natural response to the Ten Commandments? To rebel. Left to ourselves, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not covet your neighbor's reputation. And number 10 is you shall not covet these things. You shall not only not do them, you shall not want to do them. That internalizes the whole thing and really is the convicting of all the Ten Commandments. Number 10 is the convicting one because it internalizes. And it was designed, actually the Sinai message was designed to drive them to frustration and failure. What are they going to do before the holy God when they are in this place of frustration and failure and defeat? (sighs) Lord, Lord, I can't do this. I need mercy. Oh, good. Okay, I got that. I have mercy. I have mercy. The new covenant described in Jeremiah 31 was in fact not new. It predated Abraham. It goes all the way back to Genesis. It goes it, the book of Job. Job. And I know I keep repeating this. I'm gonna, you're going to hear it again and again and again. Job 19.25. You can say it with me. I'm going to say it twice. Job 19.25. I know that my Redeemer lives and shall stand on the earth. And though after my flesh, worms destroy this body, from within my flesh, I will see God. This is a couple generations before Abraham. They knew the Redeemer was coming. They knew that one spoken of in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, which describes the fall of man, where God is speaking to the serpent. I will bring a seed from the woman, a virgin-born redeemer, and he will bruise your head, Mr. Snake, while you bruise his heel. Well, a head blow to a serpent is lethal. A heel blow can be debilitating, painful, but it's typically not lethal. Did Jesus suffer pain on the cross? Yes, but he also was able to say it is finished. Satan has been getting nothing but his head stomped ever since. But that was a promise from Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. You've got Job's statement. Let's say this together. Job 19, 25. Say it with me. I know that my Redeemer lives and shall stand on the earth. And though after my flesh worms destroy this body, still from within my flesh I will see God. That's redemption, death, burial, decay, yanked out of the grave in an incorruptible body to be welcomed into the presence of God. Right there. And Job is the oldest book in our Bible. It was written before Genesis was written. What do we have here? 
Barnabas, as he is speaking to these people, he's saying, here was the tabernacle, later the temple, here is all this apparatus, here are all these sacrifices. How many lambs, how many, how many animals did the Jewish people sacrifice over all those 1,400 plus years? Millions? That's a lot of testimony that God was bringing forth from them. And here is Jesus, God the Son, Jesus of Nazareth. What does John the Baptist say? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What cost did they pay over the generations to make that testimony? It was pocket change compared to what God gave when he gave his Son. God so loved the world. He so loved his enemies. You and me. He so loved his enemies that he gave his only begotten son, the heir of all things, that whoever, that Samaritan woman at the well, that Mary Magdalene, out of whom how many demons were cast out? (laughs) All of these people all the man crucified beside Jesus who said to the other man, we deserve what we're getting. Jesus, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? He just said to a self-confessed criminal, he's speaking to Jesus, will you remember me? And Jesus says to him, you will be with me this day in paradise. He qualifies the disqualified. And the people who think they're qualified are disqualified. And so he's reminding them, look at all the sacrifices. Look at all the religious apparatus. Look at all of this stuff. And what did it actually accomplish for them? Nothing except to be a testimony. What does it say in Psalm 40? Sacrifice and offering you, Lord, did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. This is God the Son pushing his words through the pen of the psalmist. This is God the Son speaking to God the Father. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me, and burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. But I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Was that easy? No. But God the Son loved God the Father and loved us so much that he went to the Garden of Gethsemane knowing what was coming. What was he feeling? He separated himself from the apostles went to pray by himself. His blood pressure is so high, he's bursting capillaries. The blood of his burst capillaries is mixing with his sweat. He's sweating blood. That's how high his blood pressure was. He knew what was coming. And it wasn't just the physical crucifixion and other things that he endured at the hands of the soldiers of Herod Antipas or the Romans. He knew he was a about to be separated from his Holy Father for the first time and all of eternity. And he will be crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
he got done for us what we couldn't possibly do for ourselves. There was no offering we could present that would do it. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. And the volume of the book it is written to do your will, O God. He has set aside the entire sacrificial system found in the law of Moses. And then Barnabas drives home the point. In verse 11, every priest stands ministering daily and offering you repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. It's frustration city. But this man, the Lord Jesus Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever with an eternal positive outcome. When he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. He's done. It is finished. It is paid in full. Father, into your hands I dismiss my spirit. Sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, we finish part A of kingdom coming. What do we pray? How did Jesus teach us to pray? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We aren't seeing the fullness of that prayer answered yet. We're going to. We're going to. All rebellion will be swept away and Jesus' full kingdom will come when his enemies are made his footstool. And it's interesting in the Oriental cultures, when a king would be crowned or anointed, the subservient kingdoms or nations around, they would send representatives and they would either, sometimes the tradition was simply to come up and kiss the new king, kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, <laughs> it says in the scripture. But also, sometimes they would come forward and kneel down and the new king would literally put his feet on them. They were demonstrating visually, a visual to all those, are, yes, I am his footstool, yes, I am his footstool. The day is coming when all of Jesus' enemies, all the enemies of the triune God will become the footstool of Jesus. All rebellion will be swept away. For by one offering, he has perfected forever ever how long forever those who are being sanctified set apart made holy sanctified saint holy are all translations of the same word in the greek text he has perfected forever those who are being made holy you are if you have authentically abandon any trust in your own works in favor of what Jesus accomplished for you on the cross, you stand before God holy. The holiness he has granted to you by his mercy, by the work of his redeeming son, gives you a standing of full acceptance before him. Can we say that's shocking? Do we know ourselves, left to ourselves, enough to know 
that that is an of God thing or it doesn't happen. He made us holy ones before him. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for he has said before, this is the covenant which I will make. And here he quotes from the Jeremiah 31, 31. This is the covenant that I will make with them after these day, those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts. I'm going to transfer, transform the inner person. I'm going to transform what you are like on the inside. I'm going to write my law on your hearts. I'm going to cause you, John chapter 3 speaking in Nicodemus, I'm going to cause you to be born from above. You must be born of water and the wind that is of the Holy Spirit, Nicodemus. And Nicodemus said, how can these things be? You're the rabbi of Israel, and you don't know what I'm talking about. I will pour, and he doesn't quote it, but we will. From Isaiah, I will pour water on him who is thirsty. I will pour floods on the dry dry ground. That is, I will give them my Holy Spirit. When you come to faith in Christ, the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit, takes up residence within you. You've been born from above. You're alive to God like you never were before. You were a walking cadaver. Now you're alive to God. Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these... There is no longer an offering for sin. Once the job is done, the job is done, the job is done. And Jesus got the job done on the cross. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest, the holy of holies, by the blood of Jesus, stop. These are, this is a Jewish group that he's speaking to. You went to the ancient tabernacle or the temple as it was all, still in existence in, in Jerusalem. The one place that no Jew was allowed to go ever, 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 except the high priest once a year, was the holiest of all, the holy of holies. You had the holy place, where you had the place where they sacrificed animals, and you have the altar of burnt incense, and you have all of these, and all Jewish men were allowed in there. Then you had the court of the women further back, where Jewish women were allowed. Then you had the court of the Gentiles beside that, but... You had the court of the Gentiles, the court of the women, then the court where the Jewish men could come in, which was the holy place. Then you had the holy of holies. Once a year on Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, the high priest went in there and offered a sacrifice for himself, and he better do it right. Now there's no evidence that any of them were ever struck dead, but that was the threat. Then he would come back out, and he would bring in another offering for the people. Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. Once a year. And what happened when Jesus was on the cross and he cried out the words, the Greek word is tetelestai, paid in full. We translate, and this is the literal translation, it is finished, but it meant paid in full. I've just paid off the sin debt of the human race. And what happened in the temple, at that packed temple, full of priests examining lambs for Passover. And the veil 
before the Holy of Holies, which was a two and a half to three inch thick tapestry, was torn 20 feet by 20 feet approximately, torn in half from top to bottom. And all these priests and people are looking into the Holy of Holies. That's the death sentence. And they're all going, what? Why am I not dead? Who di- how did this happen? And it does say in the book of Acts that a large number of the priests believed. <laughs> Because they found out later that was the very moment Jesus said, it is finished, it's paid in full. They were welcomed into the holy presence of God. We've been welcomed into the holy of holies by virtue of what Jesus did on the cross. Therefore, brethren, brethren, having boldness. Yeah. Boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way. Not the old way of the law from Sinai, but by a new and living way which he consecrated through us through the veil, which is his flesh. That veil represented the perfect humanity of the Lord Jesus that was torn on the cross, making the way for us into the Holy of Holies, the very presence, welcoming presence of the Holy God. What more powerful testimony could you ask for? And having a high priest over the house of God. Jesus is our high priest. He is the one that makes the way for us. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. What is Lucifer called? Lucifer is called the accuser of the brethren. Revelation chapter 12, he stands day and night before the throne of God accusing the brethren. He also stands on your shoulder reminding you of every fault you've ever done. He reminds me of stuff that I literally did 50 years ago. He is the accuser of the brethren before the throne of God, but also to you, to you. to you. He wants to disqualify you from a welcome with God in your own mind. Let us draw near with a f- true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, body, soul, and spirit. We have been welcomed into God. Even our carcasses, Even what does Job say? I know that my Redeemer lives and shall stand on the earth. And though after my flesh worms destroy this body, still from within my own flesh, I will see God, body, soul, and spirit. We will be redeemed ones, welcomed into his presence. Let us hold fast our confession, the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises faithful and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. What's the first thing 
one of the first things that Satan says to us when, if we've blown it, oh, you just need to separate yourself from the body of Christ. You need to go off and, no, you need to go there because that's the hospital. <laughs> that's the emergency room where God will use other believers to surround you, to remind you of his redeeming word. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting, encouraging one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. When is Jesus coming? Any day now. And when he comes and he yanks us out of here, it will be he will have done it forever and ever, and ever.